Welcome to the audio-only version of this week's pop-up submission show. I hope you enjoy it. We love you to join us for the live show on YouTube every Sunday at 5pm UK time. YouTube.com slash Litopia. Oh, I'm stressed. <laughs> you won't believe what's been going on. Trying to make connections and not making connections. Oh, dear, oh dear. I'm quite a flutter. Anyway, we're here. You're here, which is much more important. And we've got Andy. What a surprise. Andy, you're totally here, right, for stepping in because our, our scheduled guest couldn't connect. Happens. It happens like that. But you are here. And that's great. And possibly even greater, actually. She's an omnivorous autodidact. Yeah. A besotted bibliomaniac. And she's Kaylee Finn. Thank you, Andy. Thank you so much. Nice plant. Thank you. Thank you. How are you doing? How's everything? Yes, fine. Thank you. Yes, where my Brighton top? Brighton one one nil yesterday. I'm sure you're all aware of that. It was a big. Of course, I think the whole world is aware of that. Of course, yeah. Yes, well, that's right. That's nice. It's um, it's the little things, isn't it, that count at the moment? It In is. lockdown, particularly, yes. Exactly. That's Thank lovely. Same to you, Kayleigh. What's going on? You're in kind of southwest of England, aren't you? It's a part of England, really, where everyone's trying to get to at the moment. You must be fed up of that. Oh, well, I've, I've not left my house much, so... No. <laughs> I don't see anybody apart from uh, on, online, but... Yeah, it's probably chock-a-block of uh, people with their Range Rovers and heaven knows what. <laughs> yeah. Say, I couldn't say. Yeah. Um, Kylie, have you got um have you got a book for us this week? I have got a book for you guys. Alright, tell us about it. So it is The Wives by Taryn Fisher, which I actually read there it is, which I actually read on holiday back when we were allowed to do that and it was a great read. Um, I won't give away any spoilers, so I have to be quite careful, but it's yeah. about a woman who is married to a man who has other wives and it's her experience of that. Um, and we're kind of always within her mind. So as she tells the story and seeks out the other wives, we're kind of all on our toes uh, with her. So it's, it's a psychological thriller and I would really recommend it as a page turner i can't say how relieved i am to see you andy <laughs> thank <laughs> god it's you <laughs> so that's very interesting because what mo just did to you is what you just did to kaylee but anyway that's all that's all in the past now we're all good friends again we're all good friends again now i think what we should do before there are more cock-ups live folks that's what happened it's live i think we should look at our first submission This is called Burn With Me. Interesting title. It's a YA submission, and it's from James. And I'm going to read you James's blurb. In 2136, 20, Russia, once again, is heading towards revolution. Only this time, the people do not fight for food or equality, but their very souls. Only one thing matters in this world, the next. Digital heaven is real, and the question is not what happens when you die, but is life worth living in the first place? When Christian's sister is executed by the state, his quest for revenge takes him to the heart of the people's will. Everything is about to change, in this world and the next. Interesting. Thank you, James, for that. Um, is you calling it YA sci-fi? Um, I'll tell everybody about you. It's very short and simple. Professional sailor. Yeah? Passionate amateur writer. Okay. Well, I tell you what, I think we should have it read by Kay, and then we will discuss it. The first page. Burn With Me by James, read by Kay. One. She'll hang till she's dead and I will watch. They don't break necks in Russia, they let you suffocate. Slowly. So I'll watch as her neck collapses and her eyes bulge. That's what sort of brother I am. Outside, a gust shrieks and snow whips from the windowsill. What were you thinking? They've transcended, they can't return, and they don't want your help. No tears, the skin under my eyes is dry. The ring she gave me is pitted and dull. It pinches my skin as I twist and yank it over my knuckle. I take it and squeeze my fist so tight it shakes, veins bulging, arm retracts. 
fist smashes into the wall, lungs empty, full of fire. The plaster disintegrates and white dust plumes into the room. My sister is going to hang and I can't protect her. I stare at the hole, blood gathering between knuckles, wrist pulses with pain, but I don't massage it. I want it to hurt, start liking it. The door opens behind. I don't bother turning because I know who it is. Father walks in, then lingers, stuck for words, uselessly upset, hardly a man at all. What is wrong with you? He exclaims, obviously looking at the hole in his wall. Seriously? Leave me alone, I reply, still not turning. Christian, please, I... My knuckles tighten, blood dripping. Christian, look at me, he says with urgency I'm not used to. I turn to his tear-blotched cheeks. Son, she made her choice. She was disloyal to the Tsar, to our country. There's none of his men here, father. You needn't sound so petrified. My voice sounds inadequate. I squeeze hard, causing more blood to seep. Hitting his face would sound better. Father looks at the blood. He is weak and hates the sight of it. Son, she is guilty. She was disloyal. There is nothing we can do. It is the law and if we lose the law, we lose everything. I clench my teeth, disloyal. He's trying to hide what she did with a word that could mean anything. Say what she did, I demand. His forehead wrinkles like he's in actual pain. If you are too coward to say it, you shall hear it. She tried to kill the Tsar, father. I snort a laugh because it's insane. She did it for the transcended, for people who no longer exist in this world, and now she's going to die for nothing. Oh God, I do not want you to come, he says, looking at the ceiling, the hole in the wall, the window, anywhere but my eyes. Then why did you bring me back from school? To see you, Christian, how can you be so cruel? Please come to me, take my arm and guide me. I need you. You're not the only one suffering. I slowly shake my head, releasing my fists. Her ring drops to the carpet where I leave it. At the foot of bed is my satchel, full of pencils and workbooks on a half-drunken canteen of juice. Nothing useful, but I take it anyway and hoist it on my shoulders. Son, please, he says. He looks pathetic in his magistrate's robes, still loyal, wearing the double-headed eagle emblem of our great Tsar. I would tear it from his neck and piss on it. Instead, I pick up the ring, replace it, <coughs> then walk past him. In the papered corridor outside, I inhale. I do not mean to be so cruel. I know he's hurting too. Titania's bedroom is the third door down. Ignoring his weak sobs behind, I try the door handle. To my surprise, it's not locked and creaks open. A cold draught brings a waft of her perfume. The room is still. Throughout her trial, I stayed at school. Father wrote daily to tell me she was innocent caught in a conspiracy, caught with bad people. He said she would never hurt a soul, let alone the Tsar. He clearly does not know his daughter. Neither, it seems, do I. After five days, I got a note that it was over, found guilty. He told me to come home, which was just as well, because by then I had no friends. <sighs> Straight at you, Kylie. What did that make you think? Um, well, it was a very impactful opening, which I liked, but it was quite dark. And I would question if perhaps a touch too dark for YA, but maybe I'm just being a bit sensitive to that. Um, interesting. I think it sets it up well. We can understand that there is, you know, this disloyalty with the sister and there's kind of fractured loyalties. Mm. Um, I didn't really understand tran the transcendent aspect, so I think it needs some structure or some context in explaining there. And that's really what it needs to kind of hold it together and firm it up a bit. That's what I would say. Okay. Um, I'm just... Um, I'm just wondering about this, really. I don't... <laughs> the idea is sort of techno-communism. I've heard of techno-fascism, but it's techno communism and it's kind of it's dystopian future combined with a lot of elements from um uh, pre um uh, fall of berlin war um russia 
So is that going to work or not, Andy? Um, I think it's got possibilities, isn't it? I think it's got a really nice title. I like Burn With Me. Mm. Um, well, the first sentence with the blurb was great. Mm. And then I was a little bit, oh, not sure. And then the last two sentences of the blurb I thought were great. And then we came, when we came in, I thought the first sentence of this was brilliant. I know I know what, what, um, what we're saying about, is it is it too dark for Dr. Way? I don't think it is too dark for Way. Because no, I don't think it is. Because Dr. Way pretty darn dark, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I think, and, and I think it's James, isn't it? I, I think James, you can definitely write. Yeah. Um, you what you what your your technique begs a lot of questions of me. So I got <laughs> I was a little bit lost, but then as we went on, you were answering my questions. So that's why hmm. I said, oh, you can definitely write. You've got a nice handle on prose, and you were answering my questions. But because I was. Not, not quite sure what's going on there. Okay, he's hitting the wall. I'm not quite sure that his dad is really um, very convincing because he doesn't seem the least bit bothered about his daughter getting executed. Oh, okay, he's wearing magisterial robes. You know, he's yeah, he's, yeah. He's torn. I get that there, but but in between, it just feels a little bit too oblique. Um, so I, 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 I'm not getting enough concrete structure to run with it at the same pace that you're writing it. If that makes any sense. Mm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. I, I think uh, I've had further thoughts, James. Um, I think I think your writing uh, is like a sledgehammer, actually. And I, and I like that. I've got to respect that. It's, it feels commercial. The style feels very commercial. Um, I could criticise it, but what's the point, really? It's like criticising Jeffrey Archer's writing. Is he a great writer? No. Is he a commercial writer? Mm, damn right he is. Um, and I've got to get the same feeling from you. It's not subtle. I think it's very commercial. Um, I'm very split on in my in my mind as usual um as to whether this is a strongly commercial subject i think marrying up your writing style with a clearly overtly commercial subject i think is going to be an absolute winner actually but i'm not convinced about this that the the topic which is as, as far as i can see it is it's i'm going to call it techno communism for want of a better word i don't know that that's an incredibly easy concept to sell. So coming back to you, Kaylee, we need some numbers, please. Um, oh. It's out of five, isn't it? It's out of five. You got one, you got two, five. you got three. I have four and five. I yes. am going to fit it. I'm going to say three. Why? Three for the quality of the writing, and I agree. Um, I, I have to be honest that I agree yeah. with you. I think the communism aspect and being set in Russia, I question if that's really needed and actually yeah. more of a kind of going to this digital realm will actually be compelling enough, especially for the reader. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's just about really stripping back what, what should really be kept and, and what maybe you could park. Yeah, and and thinking further about that, I mean, a lot. I mean, everyone really in the target demographic here is YA. I mean, none of them are going to know what com communism was in Russia, actually. Andy. Uh, yeah, I'm a three as well. Solid. You're a three. Yeah. And I'm going to be boring. I would I would have given it a four if the if the topic was uh, an absolute clicker for me. It's not quite so. Mm. Uh, this doesn't reflect on the writing, but just reflects on my own sort of estimation of the commercial prospects. But I think that's a darn good start. Um, before we go any further, I really need to tell you what happened last week. And of course, as you know, you can make a priority submission if you want to, and it helps us a lot. Let's um, let's see what we were up to last week. We had five amazing submissions, um, and actually, it was another highly contested show with Chris you guys bird limers just squeezing ahead of Lily Bean's gooseling uh, with as you can see 75% and 70% respectively and I can't wait let of course <laughs> the last one on the bottom I can't let Wayne Thalon's submission go uncommented it wildly divided everyone if you remember our guests only gave it a 2 but the genius room gave it a 5 I like it when that happens, actually. So now, how did you vote? Well, for Andres, you didn't get any votes at all. I'm sorry, but that's how the commercial reality works out. Nicole didn't get any either. 
Lily got 13%, 13.3% of the overall vote. Chris got 20% of the overall vote, which means that Wayne got 66.6. All the sixes, 666, Wayne, with a title like that. Yes. And it does mean, of course, that you're the winner. Call yourself a literary salon with a title like that. I don't know. Where can it go? Well, I'll tell you where it can go. It can go to the next submission. Which is The Mosquito Thief. Another interesting title. I think we get some good titles this week. It's a thriller, and it's from Tom. A tropical summer, he says, in London. I don't know what, where, where that went at all. There we go. The deadly dengue virus has arrived from Africa. The country is reeling at a scientific institute, Lena, tinkers with genetically altered mosquitoes to stop the virus. Headhunter Mark is to convince her to join a farmer giant attempting the same. When she refuses, the company's CEO runs amok. I like that extra running amok. I love it. I don't know where the word comes from, actually. Just a four-letter word, very unusual word. Maybe the genius room will tell us in a moment or two. I bet they will. Uh, let me tell you about um, Tom. Uh, I work as a freelance journalist, writer and translator, says Tom, currently preparing an exhibition on Congo under Belgian colonial rule. Very interesting topic and uh, yeah, quite harrowing, I'd have thought. I've lived and worked in Egypt, he says, and the Palestinian territories, whence I penned satirical columns for the Jerusalem Post. That's interesting. And my first book, Sinai, a thriller that largely predicted the Arab Spring and its outcome. Wow, not many people did that. Uh, in 2014, I published Decan's Machine with Monto. I don't know what that is. A speculative thriller set in Brussels and Congo. Excellent. Well, you seem to be right on the bleeding edge. Let's get Ali to read it. The first Mosquito Thief by Tom, read by Alison. Chapter One. The man had bathroom tile-sized choppers and an even larger watch, as compared to his tiny wrists, that is. Like so many men who sell expensive houses, people with a legal profession can't afford but buy anyway, because their egos don't fit inside the open-concept broom closet for people like me. He smiled pretty much all the time, which I, daft cow, mistook for friendliness, readjusting his suit like it was made by an old tailor in an old shop floor-to-ceiling mahogany panels and scarlet pincushions, handed down over countless generations. Not stitched together by a child in Bangladesh, paid less than what a pret-a-manger sandwich costs. I met him at the small celebration organised to welcome me to Empirical College, and to bid say adieu to my predecessor. There was cheap but acceptable Prosecco, bile-coloured cake and stale speeches, putting the hard work here, pushing the boundaries of knowledge there. Yadda yadda. Hello, he said, traipsing over to the corner of the room where I'd been pinned down by a friendly procession of spanky new colleagues, eyeing me as one would a petri dish. He was sweating like a colonial explorer, two strands of hair glued to his forehead, like a Land Rover's windshield wipers. I don't believe we've met, he said, doing his best to ignore his dishevelled elephant grey suit in a room. I should have known that here stood a man who was full of the stuff that emanates from the business end of cows. Unfortunately, I could not smell it on account of his pungent cologne. Cat got your tongue? he asked. I was merely waiting for him to say something sensible. A cat most certainly did not get my tongue. I don't let those animals near me. When I was little, my mother called me Kitten. I hated it. But when I grew older and taller and we spoke less and less, she stopped saying Kitten. Which I hated even more. I'm a scientist. I don't believe in anything at all, I said. You don't be He took forever to remember his own question, laughing and frowning at once. Ah, is that so? Schrodinger's facial expression. I don't see the point. I never could get the hang of sarcasm. I was also lying, but not believing in anything, that is. I quickly said the first thing that popped into my head. Not always a good idea. My head is in the air. What I meant, half-joking, was, my eyes are up here, even though he had merely glanced at my name tag, very briefly, perhaps too briefly. Excuse me? He gave an awkward grin. Uh, nothing. Who are you? I mean, how are you? 
Marcus, but you can call me Mark, and I'm fine. His smirk had stretched so wide I feared the top half of his head might fall off. You're the new kid on the block. What's your turf? Turf? Your speciality, your domain. Oh, I'm a genetic entomologist. We take the... Interesting, he said, trying to sound as uninterested as possible. Working on anything compelling right now? He paused. Or should I say, repelling? He laughed heartily at the ridiculous pun. As did I. I didn't want to tell him anything about my work, because it was top secret, so to speak. But I was happy to talk to someone who was a little daft, a little less serious than my new scientist colleagues, who, at first glance, were dull as dust, except for a bubbly girl named Martha, who'd offered me a flat chair. I'd accepted, as I was keen to move out of the sterile furnished studio the university had arranged upon my arrival. Oh, you know, I said, edging on giddy from the increasingly nauseating aroma wafting about his person. I mostly stare into a microscope all day. I'm afraid I'd bore you to death going into details. What do you do? He had breathed into reply when I added, Mark? Which threw him off. I'd read somewhere that people respond favourably to hearing their own names. Well, normally they do. Um, what reactions have we got here? Galadriel says big teeth. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it's great. Kate's gone even further into the surreal. This guy's full of milk. What does that mean? I've never heard anyone say that before. I probably never will again in my whole life. Um, Alan says, too clever, a bit irritating. Barbara, not sure this is the best place to start. Where's it going? Uh, Johnny says, I've wandered off. Dean says, true. A uh, bit too clever, says Dave. Barbara says it's just people meeting each other now. And these are instant reactions you're getting from the chat room as, as they are exposed to the submission for the first time. Eva, anyone who goes nowhere near cats shows some kind of personality deficiency. It's a personal prejudice, but it's very true. We are on YouTube after all. A little too much dialogue. Yeah. Clear riders, witty, parachuting the region. Confusing conversation isn't the best place to start. Galadriel says, this is not how I imagined the story would open, given the blur. Promising to begin with, says Vicky, but fell away. Okay. So, um, <laughs> Kate is trying to explain herself now. She's just digging herself deeper in. Pay no attention at all. Uh, what did you think, Kaylee? I would agree with the group. I don't think this should have been the opening um opening introduction i think this is almost like a scene that you would sandwich in between you know a few chapters in um and i it's interesting because uh, kind of the narrator i didn't really connect with and i can't say i particularly like and maybe that's deliberate maybe that's what we're meant to think because that's where we want to go with it um but there was not enough i could get attached to i think okay Okay, what yeah. about this whole idea of viruses? I think that wasn't in the, in the uh, genius scene, but it scrolled off. Is this the right moment to pitch a book about viruses? Would you read one? Mm, I wouldn't, but that's me. I don't want to read more about what I'm experiencing in the real world. <laughs> a bit too close to home, perhaps. But then other people, you know, I think another another virus might uh, throw people off a little bit. But yeah, too many starting viruses. Um. I'm not sure, personally. It might be the right time. It might be. I don't know. What do you think, Andy? Um, not a bad title. It's the Mosquito Thief, not the book mm. Thief, the Mosquito Coast. Oh, Dengue, yeah. Dengue virus in, in London, you know, I thought, well, yeah, that sells as far as the blurb's concerned. Whether it actually sells commercially, I guess, is another question. Mm. But I thought blurb got its point across. I felt it was a little bit clunky, but it did the job of setting up the story so good i wasn't sure about the opening the guy's big gnashes or, or teeth or whatever she called them um i got a good sense of, of the main character but the problem is i'm not sure i liked her At, yeah know, okay she wasn't hard to sympathize with because she was basically just being so mean about this guy <laughs> oh yeah. really did you think that I thought, she, yeah, I thought she'd been really mean about him. You know, yeah, he's really? smells, his hair looks like that. And, oh, I'm just talking to him because I'm drinking a half-decent Prosecco. And yeah. someone in the chat said it was minor snobbery. And I, and I think it's, it's that sense of her character that was really the overriding feel that I was getting. I think, you know, I like a caustic sense of humour, but at the same time, I do need some kind of reason to root for her if I'm going to be... Ultimately, if the, if the opening is her at a dinner party being bored... 
and slagging everyone off. I need a reason to care for her. <laughs> did you think, Kayleigh's my event, did you feel that as well? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I couldn't uh. quite get, I didn't know if she was meant to be a bit of an island and just doesn't really like anybody, doesn't like her colleagues, doesn't like the people at the dinner party, but it's okay because, you know, she's got a mission in life and it's science. I'm hmm. not not sure. Well, it's interesting. See, maybe I'm abnormal. No, definitely. Uh, delete that. I'm definitely abnormal. Uh, I didn't I didn't pick that, that up at all. I didn't, I, I just thought, I, I got a picture of the uh, overweening, overbearing, you know, boss man full of himself, glass of milk. No, let's not go there. And um, I, I, I just thought she was sort of reacting defensively. But it's interesting, isn't it, you see? Tom, how people react. It's very interesting how they react. Um, I thought that it was... I don't know about the virus thing. Uh, uh, I think we could... I think we could, I think the market will bear another virus book or many, um, you know, see what people are watching on Netflix 28 days later and stuff like that. Yeah, I think I think we could do that. Um, I think the problem is that we're it's a bit micro obsessed at the moment. We're getting every little, you know, nervous tick and uh, gesture and you're writing it all down. They're getting a bit too much. You could just selectively pick out the really important stuff that basically a few words that paint the whole picture that's the key if you carry on down this this avenue you're going you will be accused of overwriting i'm not saying it's overwritten at the moment but it's moving that direction um so and because we are getting a little bit too much detail you, you're quite good at the detail but you've got to be you just got to note the detail that works do it and move on um because we are getting a bit too much of that it means it's a bit slow means a bit slow um so it should be really exciting it should be a real romp you could be the new michael crichton that's i think where you want to aim this the new michael crichton for the post-viral world that i could see some commercial for that so let's go back to you kaylee for some numbers please i'm going to go i'm gonna go with a three you gave that a lot of thought what were you what were you going through in your mind Three. I was thinking how it kind of sat alongside the first submission and, and how I felt about it. I think there's definite okay. opportunity, and I think I'm giving that three based on where I think it could go. Are you going to give three to everything tonight, Kaylee? <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to sit on the fence, guys, and not give you a very. Because I'm going to give you a hard time if you do. Dear, actually, everything might be a three. I don't know. Who knows? That's an exciting I'm going, bit. I'm going to think on it, but I'm sitting at a three for now. All right, for now. All right. Well, you do get a chance right at the end to change your vote if you yeah, want okay. to, Andy. Um, I thought as it went on, the bit about the name tag I kind of liked, and mm. I think it was practically the last line in there when, when she's saying uh, she, she's heard that people respond favourably to hearing their own name. I think if you do, I think if you put that near the top, I get more, because that to me spells a sort of, are you on the spectrum? Well, it definitely points at someone who's unsure of, of social contact, who's uneasy in these surroundings. So that would have given me more sympathy. So I think I think there are elements there to make this, you know, to make this really yeah. good. So yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd join uh, the, the three. Fair enough. Um, empirical college, I like that a lot. I get the reference. Um, I'm going to be wildly um, out on a limb here. Very dangerous. Very uh, against the uh, the crowd, and also get the three. <laughs> yes, but it, it's got potential. It's got definitely potential for upward mobility there, Tom. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, um, I can see a lot of potential actually for post-viral Michael Crichton type fiction, which is exactly where I think you need to be positioning this. Let's have a look at our, our no, no, let's have the scoreboard, shall we? See how we're doing so far. And it's no surprise <laughs> by two submissions, given the same marks, basically. Although that's interesting, isn't it? The chat room, our uh, genius room, as we should call them, respectfully, please. Um, now, they went for four on the first submission, but on what we've just seen there from Tom, they only went for two, possibly for reasons that Andy explained. That's a great pleasure, Tom. It's fantastic to... Um, to have you along with us i'm so pleased you're, you're joining us on, on youtube live you've got any questions you can ask them right now actually um meanwhile we'll have a look at another submission shall we that might be fun this is red nemesis another good title i think is this the show great titles extraordinary technical obstacles 
but great titles. It's by David and it's Crime. Oh, look, there's a QR code there too, so you can scan that and go to whichever recondite, I've said that before, I like saying that, um, corner of the internet that uh, David wants you to go to. This is David's blurb. Given a Sherlock Holmes novel on his 11th birthday, a young boy becomes fascinated with crime fiction and dreams of one day becoming a detective. His younger sister decides she will follow in his footsteps. 22 years on, their careers merge upon joining an elite police squad at the Manchester Division, where it's always raining. Brian leads an investigation into a set of serial killings in the charming picturesque village of Worsley. Patricia heads a set of female serial killings in Salford. Does that mean she's in charge of... Uh, no, never mind, I don't know. We'll find out in due course. Um, let me tell you about David. Um, head of International Business Development Europe, Middle East, Africa. David features in BBC Tomorrow's World programme. I was watching that on YouTube. <laughs> Just last night, actually, from the, it was in black and white, presented by Roman Baxter, who used to be a fighter pilot in World War II. I was just watching that. But it's been off the air for several decades, hasn't it? Um, he built the most advanced technological manufacturing plant the world has ever seen. Wow. He won international awards as visitors flocked in to view from five continents. It's very good. Um, except the slight time warp. <laughs> so... Um, this is an extremely forward-looking fiction. I tell you what. I tell you what. A special treat, everybody. So who else, Peggy, to read it? Shall we? The first page. Red Nemesis by David. Read by Peggy. A Detective Chief Inspector Lundgren Mystery. A story told through the eyes and voice of his sister, Detective Inspector Lundgren. Salford City Police Headquarters, The Crescent, July 2019. The phone rings three times. In his soft, warm, quite amiable manner, the detective answers, Good morning. Detective Inspector Londrigan at your service. Good morning, D.I. Londrigan, came back the abrupt reply, followed by a short pause. Hector Mitchell here, Chief Constable Manchester Division. The detective responds, Sir, how can I be of service? It's a quick, sharp, curt call, brief and to the point. Be in my office, 9 a.m. sharp tomorrow morning. He puts the receiver down. Detective Inspector Londrigan spends the rest of the day wondering what the chief constable wants to see him about. All kinds of thoughts run through his mind. The next morning he arrives punctual on time. The chief constable's office is located at the Greater Manchester Police Headquarters on Boyer Street, in the middle of the city centre. Detective Inspector Londragon is made to wait in reception until the chief constable is ready to see him. The reception area is very busy with lots of members of the general public coming and going, many official-looking council staff and public servants entering and vacating the building in quick succession and what looks to be a stream of slick, suited city lawyers. The desk sergeant is notified to send him up. He beckons my brother over and asks, Sir, is this your first name here? Yes, Sergeant, came the reply. Follow me, please, sir. They proceed to the lift on the opening of the door and instruction is relayed to the attendant. Please escort Detective Inspector Londrigan to the Chief Constable's office. His office is large and plush. His secretary is housed in her own personal space with two three-seated three sofas. She escorts him into the main office. It is huge, bigger than his lounge at home with luxury fittings. It is large, plush, and very modern, and has recently been fitted out by the Neville Johnson Group, with an extensive range of modern cupboards and a large, semicircular mahogany desk. In front of the desk are two large, red-leather settees, separated by a contemporary-styled occasional table, which is an elegant combination of stainless steel, glass, and wood veneer, featuring a large, rectangular surface with beveled edges standing on a wooden base. Come in, Londrigan. Take a seat. Don't look so worried. I just want to discuss your career development. D.I. Londrigan, you have come to my notice because you are seen as a high flyer. You are a young man, and to date you have rapid promotion in a very short time. I've been reviewing your performance, looking closely at your close-out rates. Very impressive and well above average. I've been hearing a lot of good things about you, how you constantly apply problem-solving problem scientific engineering techniques. 
Whatever it is you're doing, it seems to be working, so I want to... Okay, I'm going to stop there. I don't often do that. Um, I'm losing brain cells. So, I think, the, what was it, the Neville Johnson group? Was this like a free commercial and something? I mean, I'm not... Um, I'm sorry to do this. I don't like it. It's disrespectful, really, to everyone concerned. But it's just not working. It's not working for me. Um, let's see what the chat room is saying. Uh, lots of comments there. Vicky says, a little slow. Grammatical issues, mixed tenses. Too many detective inspectors, chief constables. Pros have benefit from more colour. Lots of passive verbs, grammar, grammar issues. Too much repetition of names and ranks. Definitely wrong start, drawn out. Yeah, Johnny, very strange. I think it's product placement. Uh, description reads like a play script. Needs punchy opening. Great reading. Thank you, Emily. I'll pass that on to Peg. Not drawn in, says Galadriel. Feels novice. It is novice, David. It is. And um, you, need to, uh, you need to do some basics here. Do you ever look at uh, pop-up submissions? Do you ever see Bob and Carol Bridgestock when they come on? They are a, a formerly a crime-fighting duo. Uh, very highly um, uh, placed in the, in the Yorkshire Police. And they write lots and lots of crime fiction books. And they do it very well, very successfully. Um, you might consider a writing partner because there's certain basic things that you've got to learn here that, that you're not doing at all. Um, you're doing lots of telling. It reads like a witness testimony. Uh, there's no characterization and the dialogue doesn't work. Apart from that, how do you feel, Kaylee? Mm, not not sure I can uh, say say much more than that. To be honest, uh, I have to be honest. My mind wandered. Yeah, <laughs> that's never a good sign, is it? Yeah. Bring myself back. It, it. I mean, I think you you've said it. It was it was felt like they were trying to write themselves in, mm. but it was really what you might want to do before you then start the real thing. Mm. Um, lost my attention, and it was a bit disappointing because I thought there was some in you know the premise in the blurb. I thought it was quite nice, like a brother and sister fighting crime together, albeit in separate places, but they might come together. That's cool. I like that. Yeah, but it could work. That didn't show anywhere yeah. in that piece of writing, and um, you know. Lost yeah. Me a bit. Yeah. All right. Give her. Give her a number. Don't say three. <laughs> no. It's, oh, sorry, David. It's a, it's a one. I think. Oh, man. oh. I didn't know you could be so cruel. I didn't. <laughs> Andy. Um. Yeah. The title was good. Um. The blurb was okay. The, the, given a Sherlock Holmes novel aged eleven, I thought it was a bit of a. That's a really a very generic cast setup for, for a blurb, but still the idea of brother and sister cops is good. Mm. You know, I, I, that that'll work. I, I'd read that. Um, I, I think I think you do unfortunately set out your stall quite early on with the coloured text and bomb play at the top. Yes, it, well, know, it's, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely, I agree. Yeah, you come on a show like this and it and it just doesn't look. It looks yeah. like you're, you're almost self-publishing already. So yeah. I think you know, yeah. You want to just just do it in the bare text, and then, then maybe yeah. people have a little bit more patience with you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the confused the, the opening was a bit confusing. There was a slight sense of kind of comfortable afternoon TV crime drama. When the narrator said "my brother," I was like, "Oh, okay, so is the narrator going to be one of the siblings? That could be interesting." But yes. unfortunately, as as has already been alluded to, there there were too many problems here already. Oh, and ultimately, then you, you concentrate very hard on telling us the scenery, yeah. um, which is a classic mistake. Really. We want to know what the characters are. We want to know who they are, what they feel, why we like them. We want to get a sense of plot. And when you're starting telling us about unhogging desk and where you know, the maker of the desk and that kind of stuff, you, you, we're, we're too removed, unfortunately, by that point. So. Yeah. Do you, do you, this is very much, I mean, it should be a genre writing. Um, do you read any, any crime genre? I'm not a massive crime sort of. I've got a friend who lives up the road and he wrote uh, a crime book and I thought it's, yeah, it, that, that I read it yeah, because he, yeah. he wrote it and it's very nice, it's very good. It's yeah. a lovely part, so. but, um, but it's not my go-to genre for sure. Yeah. So as, as Cody was saying, sort of brother and, brother and sister crime, crime fighting. They fight crime, they fight each other. <laughs> It's sort of like it's sort of nineteen eighties television series, actually, isn't it? It's like it's like Starskin Hutch. Um, well, yeah, I, do got, I do think if you've got a concept like that, that can really yeah. work. I mean, for telly, you know, I used to love yeah. Moonlight when I was a kid. Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that kind of yeah. like 
a dysfunctional cop partnership, lethal weapon, totally. all those things. You know, totally. That's yeah. Control. Yeah, so, it's um, proven, it's commercial. Give it a number. Two. Two. That is generous. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go for one, David, because you just you need you need to learn the basics, okay? And you haven't done that. You just started without really understanding how to do it, and that's not the way to do it. You know, there are there are there are things to do, things to learn. You can learn them in Latipia. You can learn them from books. You can pay thousands of dollars for highly priced um, seminars and things if you want to. But they all teach the same things, really. Sorry. It's depressed me. I tell you what, let's go on quickly and have a look at our fourth submission of the day. It's, um, it's not called that. It's called... <laughs> yeah, it's, this is the show of cock-ups, isn't it, really? But I think it's the, also the show of good titles, because we've had nothing but good titles so far. History in a Hurricane, that's great, fantasy, by David Wellesley Wolverton. QR code there too. And this is David's blurb. The Gulf of Mexico is under threat from a living hurricane. A living hurricane. Oh, that's stretching my mind a bit. Capable of disrupting the boundary between past, present and future. And adopted siblings Isabel and Jason find themselves pulled into the thick of the action by their half-gin and tonic roommate Nezrin. Along the way, their paths cross with a woman from 19th century Mexico who is being held prisoner by medieval warriors, fleeing the wrath of Davy Jones after stealing a mystical tree known for its wondrous music. So a lot of interesting uh, mind-bending um, um, tropes in there. Uh, let me tell you about David. I'm a graduate of the University of South Alabama's master's program in creative writing. I also attended Spring Hill College, where I was 2017 President Scholar in Creative Writing. While History in a Hurricane will be my first professionally published novel, yes, I like that attitude, I have had several poems published in Spring Hill's College's publication, The Motley and South Alabama's publication, Oracle. So I kind of minced all that together. Sorry about that, but I'm not going to read it again. Um, and this is fantasy, so it logically means it's Emily. History in a Hurricane by David Read by Emily Chapter 1 Nezrin allowed a sideways grin to form on her face as the gusher of azure flame abated around her, Isabel and Jason. She'd inadvertently teleported them to centre stage of a pageant wagon and in front of an audience. She glanced around. The four actors she'd interrupted were holding their pretend shields in front of them, no doubt leery of the two dark-skinned women who had appeared unannounced with their pale, red-headed companion. She curtsied to the group. Good morrow. Please pardon our intrusion. A mere miscalculation on my part. Jason knocked on one of the shields. You all really used wooden shields against fire? The holder of the shield was still too stunned to respond. Isabel thumped Jason's shoulders. Silencio, this is awkward enough. Nezrin, ignoring them, scanned the waiting faces of the fair corps. Please do not allow me to deprive an audience such as you of a performance. I wish nothing more than to make you merry and have a plan for doing just that. She flung out her left hand. Mardi Gras beads and gold-wrapped chocolate coins with a few real gold coins and jewel necklaces mingled in, cascaded over the audience. Hold it. It was one of the performers. There's no way humanly possible to make the entrance you did from this stage or to do the tricks you're doing. Nezrin looked at her shadow. It was far lighter than everyone else's. The shoulders were too broad and the overall body was too long for the angle of the light and the surface behind it. She started to comment, but felt Isabel pulling her sleeve. Maybe we should give the theatrics a break and just enjoy the fair? Nezrin rolled her eyes. This concludes the opening act. I return the stage to the professionals. Name's Nezrin Halfar. Come see my full show in Biloxi. She grabbed Jason and Isabel's arms. In the time it took them to blink, she had pulled them to the woods at the edge of the fair grounds. Isabel and Jason were both a little off balance after the abrupt motion and tumbled into the brush around the trees. Isabel sat up to check her dress. It was still the same emerald green. It still went down to her ankles and the lace at the end of the sleeves was still just as tight around her wrists. Ostras, Nezrin, what kind of day do you expect us to have now? 
Jason was patting his legs to make sure they were still there beneath the baggy shorts. Seriously, as soon as we go out, the whole dang fair is going to jump us. Assured he still has legs, he started trying to loosen the frill around his neck. Nezrin waved off the comment and didn't look away from the tents. Between the throws and the fire, they didn't notice us. Come on, we can probably throw axes before the next joust. She walked toward the tents and left them behind. Squirrel noises came out of Jason's phone. At least that still works. His hand went habitually to his pants pocket until he realised his costume shorts didn't have pockets. Then he had to search. Life with a genie. Kiva, she did get us into a Ren fair for free, in outfits from the actual Renaissance. Now, Vamnos, I want to try axe troll. Jason followed her, looking down at the phone he'd finally found. Weather update. Hurricane Ashton reaches category three. He tapped the notification and saw that the home county, Mobile, Alabama, was under a watch. Since when do we get hurricanes in mid-April? When they found Nezween, she already had an axe in her hand and was getting a feel for the weight. Isabel and Nezween looked at the lady running the stall, then smiled to each other, waiting. This must be your sister and her boyfriend, Nezween aimed. Isabel, making her Spanish accent more pronounced than usual, said, He's my brother, actually. Nezween flung the axe and hit the target in the middle. The stall runner nodded, trying to keep the smile from fading. Oh, she got up to retrieve the axe for Nezween. Jason added, adopted brother. So I was kind of wondering if I was suffering a bit of attention deficit there. But actually, Emily, who was our amazing narrator, um, so I found it quite confusing to read. It's always really interesting hearing from narrators because they, they get inside and they always try to you know, deliver more, really. Um, I found it quite confusing to read. I wasn't sure where I was or what was happening. And that's kind of echoed with other people's reactions. Jordan says, I'm, I'm confused, it's just me. That's kind of how I felt. I'm a bit confused, but maybe it's just me. Maybe somebody who's a bit brighter um, uh, actually um, gets it. And that, of course, would be Kaylee. <laughs> no, not sure I am. Um, it, I, in the first sentence where they had kind of appeared on this stage and there was obviously some kind of, well, as I was interpreting it, they'd kind of teleported there and not where they meant to be. I thought, oh, okay, this is quite, you know, a bit of action. Mm. It sets it up. We understand that. But then it slightly unraveled and I wasn't quite sure what was happening. And somebody said they're bounced all over the place. And I would, I, I think that's quite yeah. a good way to explain it. I think the most interesting part about this is Nezrin, or at least that's maybe the yeah. strongest characterization. She's a, she seems to me like a bit of a troublemaker. She's kind oh, of yeah. brought them there. She's not behaving. So that's quite a strong element, but the rest needs to come up to meet it, certainly for the other two characters as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's got lots and lots of interesting things, isn't it? Ingredients. It's like sort of a very rich mm. sort of cake or something. Lots of great stuff, but it's not quite making a cake for me at the moment. And what, what about you, Andy? Yeah, I mean, I think hats off to Kaylee for getting that much kind of sense of character out of it. I, I, I struggled. I'm, I, I haven't written much because I was listening hard. Mm. So I think what you definitely have got is you've got a kind of premise and writing style that has me intrigued. Yeah. But unfortunately, I just I found it really difficult to get my bearings. I think yeah, the idea of a living hurricane that rips through time, you know, that's good fun, isn't it? I wrote down yeah. Bill and Ted's excellent weather adventure and then <laughs> felt very, very clever <laughs> on that one. Um, but, and then, and then the only—I'm just—I just got confused. I, I was intrigued. I was interested. I, I got a sense of like the cheeky kids and 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 their excitement. And then when you said life with a genie, I was like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe, well, maybe this will make more sense if, if I. Maybe I'm just stupid. But generally, I found mm. it quite difficult to follow. Yeah, I did too, and I thought exactly the same. I thought, mate, just just me, just me, really attention deficit. Um, let's see what else the chat room is saying. Hannah said, I'd like to know whether skying. They dropped into the fair for no evident reason. Yes. Uh, Alan says, I'd need to read it three times to understand it. I feel that too. Mm. And probably wouldn't bother. What was the shadow thing about, says Georgia? Well, she's a gin. She doesn't have much of a shadow, does she? Uh, Dave says, oh, going on with the numbers, I'm a two. Though with good edit, a four or five. Yes. Um, 
and the uh, Alan P rather liked the idea, wanted to like the piece, but didn't really. I think that pretty much sums up our attitude. And Galadriel, who is not, you know, not a hard-hearted woman, is going for a two. And Hannah's going for a two as well. So what does that mean, Kaylee, for you? Yeah, it's it's a two for me as well. Okay. Oh, I think, yeah. All right. All I right. think what's happening here is it's all kind of in the writer's mind and they've committed it to paper, but we're not quite following that whole process of, of what's happening and it almost needs to go back and with real fresh eyes and give it some structure. Um, if right. it was television or a film and we were watching it, it would have all of the production and the colour and the fare and we would be a lot more caught up, but we're not, we're reading it. So yeah. I think it's a bit of a fresh take is needed. All right, all right. Well, yeah, good advice. Thank you. And with that, any animus at all what did you think Alan? yeah Any? i'd say big fat two yeah. two as well wow everyone's be awfully realistic go on a more solid two than than the previous i'd say that this one has a bit more merit than the previous one i gave it again yeah it, yeah it has got an exciting premise but I, I just i just couldn't follow it properly unfortunately no i couldn't follow it properly and i, I guess everyone is doing what i say they should do which is to judge the words on the page not the potential but i i you know i do feel that david's got a lot of potential there I like the ingredients. I like some of the writing. It's not quite connecting at the moment, but I am going to soft. You know, agents are just, they're enthusiastic, really. You know, you, you, well, everyone in publishing, really. Um, if we can get enthusiastic about something, we will, and we sometimes do that uh, to our cost. But I'm going to go for three. And I think we rapidly move on to our last submission of the day. Wow. Yeah. Number five of the day, The Dovetails, literary fiction, no less, from Michael Walsh, a risque romp it is, in, out, and under the sheets, romantically, sensually, and provocatively, describes the most forbidden of romantic relationships, the menage à trois. The Dovetails Hotel, in England, is owned and managed by comely, and comely is a good word, isn't it, and beguiling divorcees, Leonora, 49, and Felicity, 37. The most eyebrow-raising interludes are accompanied by a risque humour. Who misses? Girl talk, dilemmas, lifestyle and relationship, give and take, lurid sex. It's got everything. <laughs> Romance. <laughs> Nearly finished. <laughs> and, at times, <gasps> pathos. We got there, Michael. We got there, didn't we, eventually? Wow. This is going to be a storm. Um, let me tell you... Uh, no, that's the wrong one. Let me tell everybody, everyone about you, Michael. Um, Liverpool-born... I could have told you. <laughs> You're a scouser. Liverpool-born writer Michael Walsh has a gift for engaging with the reader and drawing the reader into the story to become part of it. The writing reputation of the award-winning newspaper and periodical columnist has earned him accolades from Britain's most revered literati. That'll be ours, wouldn't it? It's a bit premature. Uh, Theatre, editorial and business communities. In 2011, he was awarded Writer of the Year by the publishers of Euro Weekly News. <gasps> well, that's distinguished company you're keeping, isn't it? That means we must have Martin read it. The first page. The Dovetails by Michael, read by Martin. Chapter one, when there isn't a man in your life. There's a hunger in you, my dear. You seem very restless and your mind seems to be somewhere else. Tell me, are you in love or do you have problems, Felicity? If so, you can let me into what's bothering you. How long have we been together? Felicity's partner in their modest but reasonably successful hotel business smiled. To give her time to collect her thoughts, the petite brunette delved into the receptionist's register. To be honest, Leonora, I'm bored. I'm wondering, is this it? For goodness sake, is this really it? Well, dear, you tried marriage and that didn't work out very well, did it? You were a vocalist and occasional actress, but that didn't quite meet your expectations. I have a similar track record, but I'm not bored. I love doing what we are doing with our hotel, dear. I thought you did too. Her friend raised her eyes 
and for a moment she removed her attention from the countertop register. Taking in her appearance in the full-length mirror set in the wall opposite, the younger of the two women partners chose her words carefully. Yes, I love it here too, but I think I need a holiday, Leonora. I never thought that holidays that are taken for granted by everyone else would be, for me, a thing of the past. Then do take one, dear. I can look after things here. Janine is good as gold. If we pay her for a few extra hours, I am sure she will be pleased to receive a little extra in her pay packet. Felicity smiled. It's a pity we couldn't go somewhere together. It's not a lot of fun when you're holidaying alone. Wistfully, Leonora's fed-up friend went on to say that there were times in her past life when travelling alone came with the territory. To be honest, Leonora, I felt ever so lonely when I was travelling solo. It was sometimes necessary for me to do so when I was modelling or on location. Sitting on my own in a train, hotel or restaurant simply added to my sense of isolation. Well, you're asking the impossible, Leonora smiled. The hotel can't run itself and there is no way we are hiring a manager to run the business whilst we're away. They don't know the ropes and they're not cheap. It's a pity there isn't a man in your life. I could do with a man in my life too, I suppose. Felicity rolled her eyes. Having a man in our lives didn't work out too well for either of us, Leonora. I hope you're not suggesting an action replay. Marriage from Mrs. and now Ms. Felicity Choice had not been the sanctification she thought it was supposed to be when the ring was slipped on her finger at the altar at St. Stephen's. Thankfully, there hadn't been children in their marriage. This, she thought, was a good thing. The collateral damage of a collapsed marriage is often more painful and problematic than the couple's parting of the ways. As women, Leonora Powell and Felicity Choice were not at all identical. The sisters, the term by which they often addressed each other, could hardly be described as mirror images. Leonora, a short-haired but ponytailed blonde, was full-bosomed and shapely, while the slightly taller Felicity could be described as slight and tender, slender. With her figurine good looks, the auburn-haired Felicity was undeniably per perfectly proportioned. There were times when Leonora envied her younger friend's slimmer waistline and her slender thighs. On the other hand, Felicity occasionally mentioned that she wished her breasts were a little bigger. Leonora's mood that day was speckled by her natural and sometimes risque humour. OK, getting a temporary manager is a no-no, and we're both agreed on that. So surely the solution is to spend a week with your parents. You know you rarely see them, dear. I rarely see them because Dad's never there, and Mum has a circle of friends who aren't my cup of tea at all. I arrive, it's hugs and loves, and after ten minutes, we are just sort of put up with each other. We just sort of put up with each other. No, I would rather be here with you, sweetheart. Um, yes. I think we have to go to Andy, I think. <laughs> Andy, that seemed to do something for you. Oh, my days. Um... First of all, the dovetails. We're five out of five for good titles today, I think. That's so that's very impressive. Um, look, your, your blurb, you had me at company and beguiling divorcees. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. That's just five out of the bat, isn't it, really? <laughs> and I mean, you know, as, as time went on, I mean, when we got from the blurb that, I mean, you, we are—we were very much in like the danger of being in carry-on territory when we quite early did. Um, you, you've done your bio in third person, and for me, I, I think that's no, no. Don't, for yeah. me personally, please don't do this. And that it just—it just comes off as a bit pretentious, unfortunately. You had a good yeah. opening line, and and then and then we were in this kind of existential crisis of these two <laughs> divorcees and. Uh, you were a vocalist and occasional actress, um, says one to the other, which is brilliant backstory and dialogue. And I need a holiday with Laura. Um, I mean, you know, this was comedy, wasn't it, really? Yes. Um, there, there was yes. Of, you know, it was comfortable. It was tweet. And at the end, I ended up writing it. If I'm having to read either of these two characters having sex, I'm going to either A, collapse into a bit of giggles, 
or B, I'm just going to feel really, really embarrassed and want to hide under my jumper. Because it's just not, it's just not sexy talk, is it? No, not really. So, I, was, I was very amused and, and you certainly lifted my day. Well, I was certainly so glad. Thank you, Martin. I don't know how you managed to do it, actually, but you did. Um, Kaylee, uh, can you add anything to that? I, well, I wrote down an X-rated faulty towers from the blurb, and I don't yes. know if that was the direction of yes, flight. Yes, perfect. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was meant to be funny, but I wasn't laughing necessarily for the right reason. Sadly, yeah, yeah. what I was expecting was that we would open, and it was like behind bedroom number 17, there's, I don't know, a man tied up and stuff's going on and throw us right into the action. I mean, it, it promised a lot and sadly delivered a bit of a slow conversation between two women who I also think makes them stronger, makes them... <laughs> <laughs> just give your female some oomph i think i want to read interesting dynamic women right okay fair enough so galadriel's giving it a two one for each breast what, what are you giving it <laughs> doesn't get that from me i'm afraid um yeah it will i'll go with a two two fair enough yeah. andy I think Galadriel should get a big five. I think, so I think um, so. I'm going to do as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah I think so. Um, so, Michael. Michael. Several things. Um, I think it is a bit of a challenge to write from a, a woman's point of view in the best of times, mm. so maybe you need to sort of rethink that a bit. Um, this is not literary fiction. <laughs> Right. I think I can say that with some confidence. It is not literary fiction. Don't send it out as literary fiction. People will not take it seriously, literary fiction. But you made people laugh. That's a good thing. We get humorous submissions sent in here. This is great. It's very funny. And they're not funny. And you made people laugh. And that's not, that's not a bad thing. Um, humorous writing is some of the most difficult writing to do and you managed to do it I don't know if you knew you were doing it but you did do it I've got a crazy suggestion I think if you uh, I'm, I'm just you know I'm fumbling really to try and find a, a genre here there is no genre I don't think but what you might consider doing really is is this and stick a murder in right stick a murder in you, it, there's a lot of great stuff in there um, this guy, people, you're going to make people happy who read it. Stick a murder in, make, move it more towards the Agatha Raisin, you know, I, 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 hugely successful. Agatha Raisin, MC Beaton, who I think's dead, so people are looking for a new, a new MC Beaton now. Uh, move it in that direction, you know, and you've got, you've got the lurid sex that we were promised, but you didn't deliver on. Um, you know, I would completely recast it in, in that way. You've got a nice feeling for the English quality that comes through, and that's what I do with it, and I'm going to give it to as well. Fantastic. Yeah, son, you've got... Yes, I know. Great comments there. Ah, oh, Michelle, three for the laughs. Absolutely, that's right. That's right. So, look, what we need to do now is to wind things up, have a look and see how this scoreboard is looking right now it only got a one sorry michael the genius room is never wrong they're always right and they just gave a one um so you're at 35 percent below that is red nemesis 25 percent 45 percent history and hurricane 55 percent for the mosquito thief not bad and way above par is burned with me our very first submission with 65 percent however we now have that moment of truth where we ask our two utterly fabulous guests today well, we always have fabulous guests but they're kind of above average today kayla you want to change any of those scores no i'm going to stick with what i've said you're going to stick fair enough andy okay. Um, at the risk of being any more above average, um, you know, I think I'm going to stick as well. Yeah, you're going to stick as well. Understood, and that's great. Now, we wait with bated breath to see what you think, because how often does it happen? You know, the, there's a kind of a general sentiment here, and it's proved wrong by you, the great book-buying public. So go along, please, litopia.com slash vote, or alternatively, 
vote.litopia.com uh, in six and a half days till next Sunday, about Sunday lunchtime roughly, and then we'll add them up and we'll see what you think. And I would very much like to say thank you so much to Andy particularly, because we were going to have Mo O'Hara on and she was there and she wasn't there, she was there, so... It's tough. We'll sort out that te- technical issue with them, I'm sure, in the next few days. And she will be back soon. But Andy stepped up to fill the breach, and he was an absolute prince. Thank you very much, Andy, for that. And thank you, Kaylee, a regular, for being the wonderful person you are. Thank you, Emily, for the work behind the scenes. Kate, particularly today, she's been very busy behind the scenes. Without Kate, it just wouldn't have pulled together today, so extremely grateful. And, of course, to Rachel and everybody our narrators and you know who basically you know who i'm saying thank you to see you same time next week